Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. I'm Sorian V. How we feeling today, brother? Let's see your shirt. Oh, Andre 3000, you know, um, kind of, you know, keeping it in theme. Yes, yes. For, for you know, you about to rep A-Town, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, you know. very much. Um, TV, I wanted to talk about TV a little bit. Mm-hmm. What you been watching? I know Snowfall just ended. I'm not up to date. Snowfall, um, Wu-Tang, um, Succession. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I watching? Um, Yellowstone. Okay. Yeah, you've been you actually been campaigning for that for a little minute. Yeah, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. I don't. I don't know. I guess it's like it's basically just a succession in the wild wild west. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what else here. What else I got here? Obviously, uh, I watch wrestling weekly, but that's mm-hmm. that's just never ending. That's just never ends. Yeah. Fun. No, I'm I'm slowly creeping back into the wrestling world. And uh, the NBA playoffs have begun, so you know my Lakers. Yeah. Uh, you know, we made it. People, made people, a lot of people, a lot of people doubters. A lot of people said we wouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. We here. You know, um, the, as of right now, the series is one one. Okay. Um, you know, uh, there's a particular player. I won't even say his name. Uh, actually, no. Fuck Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks that plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. I hate that that bitch. <laughs> I swear to God, Dylan Brooks. If Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Wakes up with a with a career ending um, knee injury. Like I would, I would not be sad. Damn, I fucking hate him. How old is Dylan Brooks? I don't even know, bro. He, he look he look about fifty five, but um, <laughs> I think he's like still. I think he's like twenty eight, twenty seven. Yeah. Um, you know, he just he just he just he just needs some some respect put on him. He talks a lot of shit. Plays a lot of mind games. Mm-hmm. He's very much. You could tell that he acts. He tries to like take the role of like a like a bad guy. Yeah, like oh, he's yeah. tough. He's not tough. Okay. So in other words, you're not, not tough. Like, it's not like he restoring the film. I, like, I don't like he ain't restoring the film. He just talks a lot of shit. Like he like it's like uh, basically like he's saying everything that like people would like a lot like. But he he ain't got that <laughs> that Detroit Pistons, New York Nick, old school eighties early nineties yeah, yeah. energy. Like he. ain't. Give him he a about that. Give he him a years. He not, you know what I'm saying? Like he not, he not Ron Artest, Zach, Zach Rudolph, you mm-hmm. know, like Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. He ain't that kind of guy. He's not in that bag. He's not that kind of guy, yeah. man. Like he, you know, I, I got I got a bag of dudes in the NBA that I just like like Doug Christie. I fucking hate Doug Christie. Doug Christie. I never damn. liked him. Never like to go to call. He used to guard Kobe too too hard. Oh yeah, that's what it is. I figured that's I ain't what like it I ain't like him, Bruce Bowen, Roger Bell. Those are list of the motherfuckers, mm-hmm. man. I respected Tony <laughs> Allen, but like yeah, list, I respected Tony Allen, but I ain't like him either. Bruce <laughs> Bowen was fucking pesty. It's just it's just a list of guys, man. But I'll say Dylan Brooks, he really he, like even like what he do with his hair, he just dressed like a motherfucker you don't want to like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. As far as I think, what have I been watching? Um I've been talking about Barry a lot. Have you so how have you been doing with that? So I started the second season. Mm-hmm. Um I'm enjoying it. Uh I think, and obviously, like, I can relate to, I understand it, like, it's in the world of acting, mm-hmm. and he's, I, all right, I want to go back, I want to, I want to go back to the, to the first season, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it was something that stood out to me about Barry in the first season. I guess we could talk about it. Well, you're, you're all the way caught up. I'm not, but I want to talk about something that, like, has stood out for me from the first season. Um, when he goes up to uh, Fonzie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's telling Fonzie like, "Yo, I, like, I, I want to do it." He was like, "You ain't got it." And it's like I realized like 
it's like some old cliche, like I can teach a thing where they say like, nah, like you, you, you suck, don't do it. And yeah. then he just tells him, he literally just tells him the truth about like, what he does. Yeah. Like, y'all fucking kill people. Like, yeah. I'm a murderer. And he was like, that was the realest thing you've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Pay me up, pay me up, up early. Like, I was like, oh, this scam artist teacher. But like that stood out to me, and I like, I was like, all right, cool. Like they get some of it, but like I'm, I'm I wanna, I, I think I could finish it. I think I could finish it like uh in, in like three days because like mm-hmm. when I binge watch, I just I just watch television like no matter what I'm doing. So if I'm like cooking, cleaning the house, I just put it on my laptop yeah. or like even when I'm playing a video game, I put it on my laptop and I listen to it while I play the video game, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so I I can get through it. So I think I can get through it in the next three years. Yeah, it's um for me legit is one of HBO's better best shows. Like it's up there. Like and HBO has great quality shows already. So that's not really that's actually not really saying much because they have great shows already. But yeah. it's um the story building and where Barry ends up from where he started is just so dark and so it's so good. Like you kind of forget that you're watching such a dark tale. Cause there's comedy in it too, and then yeah, and sure you is. see some dark shit go off. It's like oh shit! Like you kind of lock in different. So I really like that element of it. Um, what else have I been watching? Oh, I watched that Power Rangers thing, that Power Rangers reunion. Um, so which, so like made me understand it. So basically, what they did was to explain. I'm sorry that we spoiled this, guys. You should have watched it to explain that the ranger, the rangers that aren't there, they just killed them off in the beginning. So, uh, so Trini's story, um, you know, Trini was the original Yellow Ranger from yeah. like the early nineties. Um, she died uh, tragically in like I believe it was a car crash. Yeah, car crash yeah. back then, and um, they kind of never really told her story. So mm-hmm. like now, the way that they tell her story in the in the fold of the show is that they were in a fight with with Rita, and um, and Rita kind of like. Blasts her. Rita in the in the fold of this Netflix special, um, she comes back and she has like a robot face now. Like it's like another version of it, it's it's another version of her, and she's been through a lot of shit. But now her big fold is to like go back and tell her younger self all the shit that she learns from like this current time, and then erase the ranges from ever existing type shit, right? But Anyway, they were in a fight and what's meant to be killing Billy, Trini jumps in and she kills Trini. Saves herself with Billy. Exactly. And um you, you fucking dog ass writers. Yeah. And so she she gets killed. Um and then um come to find out she has a daughter and the daughter wants to avenge obviously her her mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a and it's a lot of cheese. It's a lot I of just, cheese. I feel like it's cheese, but I I guess they they, they said it like as like they continue being rangers, but they were teenagers. Yeah, yeah, they were teenagers, and so they play off the fact that they are older now. They look older. I just actually liked that Zach got his moment to be um, on screen because even back then, by the time they went made it to the big screen, Zach wasn't in the fold anymore. Yeah, I mean. Is everybody <laughs> and then but but then like the obvious thing that holds it back from being great mm-hmm. is obviously Tommy had nothing to do with it. Kimberly had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they voted yeah, though, so you're not gonna like shout out my man the original Red Ranger because he's fat now? Oh yeah, he had he wasn't in it either. 
Um, he, Cause he's not in shape. He didn't yeah. want to do it. And even his Kimberly, both of yeah. them said that they, they won't look good. They didn't want to do it. Yeah. So um, and I and that sucks because it's like man, there's such a big part of the show, and the way that they wrote it was like that they're still there, but they just didn't unmax them, and it was just stupid. And it's just like. Like damn, like why did y'all do it like that? Like y'all shouldn't even did this if y'all couldn't have them. I feel like I feel like they should have worked out a deal with it because the voiceovers are not taking off the helmets. Yeah, yeah, but even that wouldn't have been enough. They just shouldn't have did it. Um, but I still enjoyed watching it. I was really up until like eleven thirty, just on my couch. Like yo, this is like, this is. I, I just enjoyed watching it because of the nostalgia. Yeah, I didn't need to watch it. I saw, I saw that you were watching it. I saw that Mouse was watching it. Yeah, I was like, all right, this is all. I like to either one of my friends about yeah, it. So it was a it was a big nostalgia trip for me. It was it was really I respected it in that sense. Um, oh, I haven't been up to date on Snowfall, but how do you feel about the ending? Um, I thought it was perfect. I thought like a lot of people are saying that uh, John Sanderson wouldn't have made this ending, but I absolutely think John Sanderson would have made this ending. Mm-hmm. It's just um, if you if you're as a big as a fan of uh, Boys in the Hood as I am, I'm like, yeah, this makes. This makes sense. I know season four turned a lot of people off, mm-hmm. but season five they definitely redeemed themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the the writing team, because you know John Singleton is no longer with us. Um, rest in peace, John Singleton. But like, yeah, it, it it was it was like full circle, like wow. And it's and it's and it's a cautionary tale. Like I think people missed. Like obviously, like we would like to see a lot of things be happy endings, and I hope this is not me spoiling too much. But this is these are the pitfalls of dealing drugs and i think that this one was just way more ironic than anything that's that's what i'll give a lot down so from seeing how shit ended up um for him with how it started out with his with his dad in the first season i do remember that Mm -hmm. um and seeing the parallels of that that was that was really good writing to see how he kind of looked down on how his how his father ended up Mm -hmm. to actually being like how his father was off. Yeah, because you you cannot not see the pictures that they're posting on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those unfortunate things where it's just like, damn, like you became what you despised and everything like that, and you know, like had nothing to show for it. And then to think about it like this, uh, what I say is, is I'm, I'm trying not to give too much away, but you would think you you know when you see something like that, and you realize that the government gets involved. Mm-hmm. You think you think that you're such a big fish, but like, and and you learn that you're literally. Yeah. Like you're not like when you're no use to them, like you're nothing to them. So I think that that was a a, a very very big reveal mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah, that's what I said. Hope I kept. I'm a, I'm a I'm a lock in. I'm a, I gotta watch that. It's a lot of shit on my docket, man. There's so much good TV that I just been putting off. Um, but I do have to tap in. I gotta watch it because it, I know it's a great show. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Dun dun. Moving on from TV, getting into music, specifically the album that we're getting into today, um, Trap Music. Trap Music came out in 2003. Um, big year for me for music um, and the albums that came out that year. Um, this was T.I.'s second studio album 
uh, followed up his debut, I'm Serious, which was exceptional, but it wasn't like the big grand gesture that he wanted it to be. So like, I feel like he went in and he listened to, I mean, he he went in and he saw how I'm Serious was received, kind of had that chip on his shoulder. And I feel like if you know T.I.'s discography at all, it kind of works best when he has that chip on his shoulder. Um, and he showed that time and time again going forward. Um, Trap music was an exceptional, was more than exceptional. Um, he had great product, better production on this, you know, regardless of having some Neptune's production on the first one. He had better production on this. He sounded better. The backing was there intentionally. I feel like, um, I think I read somewhere when he was coming out with the first album, um, how he was talking about trap music and L.A. Reid just didn't get it and and was like, yeah, I can't, I can't grasp what you're trying to do here. And he kind of put him on the back burner and focused on other shit on the label. And it showed because he didn't really get that much traction with that album. Um, but when this album came out initially, when I heard 24s, I knew it was something different. I knew he was going to be around. And um, and I kind of knew about T.I. before that because I used to read a lot of um, Source mm-hmm. back then, too. And he was, like, always in the Source. Even though I didn't hear much of his music back then, I just knew about him. So, like, 24s was, like, that staple that I knew. I was like, all right, this nigga got it. What did you think when his album came out? Um, I had... Were you in New York? I was. I just I moved to Atlanta that summer, so... That was summer of 2002. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so summer 2002, I moved to Atlanta. 24 was already out and, like, everywhere. Um, lo and behold, I had moved there. My cousin, Ashana, she went to Ashana. Hey, she always would give me, like, a, a, a box of, like, CDs from her job. Mm-hmm. So I had I'm Serious. And, like, I listened to that, and Dope Boys in the Trap was, like, one of my favorite songs. Okay. Like, but I just didn't. I didn't connect it like, oh, like he's actually like really popular because like on the cover he had on feelers and shit. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I don't know. I didn't feel too confident about like that. Yeah, I love that yeah, 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 I'm sorry. No disrespect <laughs> to people that like feelers, but yeah. So when I moved down there, like everybody like like he was like a big deal. So I was like, oh, he is a big deal because you know when you think of anything, Jermaine Dupree, um, Outkast, Goody Mob, mm-hmm. and Ludacris was on to come up, and crunk music was was growing at mm-hmm. that time, right? So when I moved to Atlanta and like all of this stuff was like happening, I'm learning like okay, like Ti is like Jay Z down here. Yeah. Like um, Lil John is basically like creating this new sound that like is about to take over the country, and Ludacris is becoming like a crossover star. Mm-hmm. Like so, Atlanta pretty much had everything that you need for a city to have like the trifecta of of hip hop. Like so, they had like these new pillars that are carrying the torch that like Jermaine Dupri, Goody Mob. And outcast like all carry before them, right? So I'm like learning, like, oh shit, like this dude, like Ti is on to come up, and like he's like homegrown local from the city, mm-hmm. and it was him and Killer Mike that everybody thought was going to like really like blow, yeah, because like they were both like local kids, like they went to like the Atlanta City public high schools, and like were just like known. So hearing this project, like I. I was, I thought it was dope because it was the, I'm not comparing the projects, but it was the second time that I was able to, it was the second time since Reasonable Doubt where I was able to like look at my surroundings and see things and actually like be aware of what's going on and know what they're representing and know what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. So like that's, that was the, that's a, that's what, that's a comparison and that's where it stops. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not comparing, comparing to Reasonable Doubt. What I'm saying is that hearing it, and like knowing, like okay, 
going to Bankhead where my boy Willie Miles lived and like being around his area, like and seeing like, oh shit. So this is what a trap is. That's another thing. Like learning what the fuck a trap was, right? Yeah. And and like how like that word now has been like weaved into like our pop vocabulary, culture. pop culture and vocabulary mm-hmm. of how like it bothers me that people use this shit so wrong. <laughs> Right, but like understanding, like wow, like okay, like this is what a trap house is. Like mm-hmm. this is where like people would just be and like they're making money and everything like that. Understanding the whole point of the rubber bands and like knowing, like okay, like that's another thing that's similar to New York. Most niggas in New York, like they got rubber bands around their wrists and they got big bellies. You see those niggas, like those are most more than likely are the motherfuckers who's making money, right? Mm-hmm. Fat niggas, rubber bands around their wrists. Obviously, there's a couple in-shape dudes and everything like that, but, like, that was, like, a sign mm-hmm. that somebody was making money. So, knowing that this album was on the horizon, me doing my homework and finding out, like, what happened at Arista and, like, why it didn't work because, like, they wanted him to look like, you know, Goody Mob and all of them. I was clean-cut, short mm-hmm. haircut, mm-hmm. wore polo shirts, was lyrical. They told me he had to, like, dumb down his shit, and that's how we even got 24s. Yeah. Too lyrical, he was mm-hmm. doing too much. Um, for the masses and everything like that. And the fact that, like, T.I. was able to, like, really, like, better himself. As for a release out of that, mm-hmm. go to the next label, Atlantic, I believe, and basically look at that their landscape and say, oh, I can dominate it. Y'all gave Nappy Roots four videos. Like, think about that. Like, because Nappy Roots was all over the place. Nappy Roots was on fire at that time. He That's looked at it and said, y'all gave them four videos? <laughs> oh, I'm about to rob y'all motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think, like, he just knew. He believed in himself. He better himself. And, like, you know, him and his partner, Jason Gina and GZ, DJ Tone, and, like, the rest of his Grand Hustle team, like, they really, 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 like, grinded. Yeah. And, like, I just, seeing that, seeing seeing everything, like, kind of, like, happen, like, in real time, like, like, in Atlanta, like, they have athlete's foots everywhere, like, mm-hmm. their franchise sneaker stores. Mm-hmm. And, like, seeing T.I. pull up at an athlete's foot one time and, like, buy everybody's sneakers. Wow, athlete's foot. I still remember their logo, too. It was, <laughs> yeah. like, blue and yellow. Right. So, um, like, seeing that and, like, knowing, like, oh, shit, like, tip, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's really, like, amongst, like, the people. Yeah. So, excuse me. That's why, like, when he would make certain statements, like, King of the South and things like that, like, I'm saying, I'm like, yo, he really is the people champion. Yeah. Right? He's he really would, doing it. He would always, he, and I like when rappers do that, right? Because they have something to live up to when they do say shit like that. Yep. Like King of the South and Wayne saying best rapper alive and mm-hmm. him first saying that on that song, Bring It Back, where him and Manny Fresh, that's when yep. he first said it. And everybody was like, wait, what? And you know, you get an ears perk up moment, but then from that moment, he, you he gotta prove it. Yeah. yeah, you gotta prove it. And I feel like what Tip was doing at this time, it put a lot of eyes on him when he said it. But then Trap Music is such a special album because, you know, even looking back now, because the word trap is so dominant in pop culture now. And and it's a sound now. I feel like back then, you know, he probably, he caught, like, in a way, like, he made the phrase, you know, crossover. But I feel like it means something a lot different now than what it originally was. Which is disappointing. I think they should call it something else. Because... Well, I'll just talk about it now. I feel like an old man waving my hand at the cloud, but like tra- trap, the, the trap music that we have now is basically like like dance or like EDM music mm-hmm. with like 808 drums and like them, you know, sometimes they'll rap about shit in trap, but like a lot of times like, it's not even what they're doing. Cause, mm-hmm. But like we have like, you know, Metro Boomin, we have like what Future Metro Boomin and Young Thug do, right? Mm-hmm. 
and and like uh like uh who else uh Playboy Cardi do right, mm-hmm. but then you have like DJs like that like just make beats. I like they're like and they call it trap beats and like that's what like drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. More so than everything because it's like I think I I, I think like future like Metro Boomin and them like understand mm-hmm. what like you know what I'm saying. But oh, like, for sure. I'm yeah. talking about like the DJs. Like it shouldn't be called trap, and I think whoever did that is a fucking asshole. Yeah, and I think it's just one, but it's one of those things too that got when it gets so big and it crosses over in pop culture, uh, things just shift. Yeah. Right. So like even like the definition of pop has changed. That's true. Yeah. I guess it's kind of just like the whole, like, you can't see me thing with John Cena and Tony Ayer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Right? Like, obviously, like, John Cena has acknowledged it beyond, like, no, mm-hmm. like, beyond no, to no end. He went on, like, Jimmy Fallon yeah. and said what you got. And, 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 like, he's always told that story. He's never done revisionist history, and that's why, like, a part of reason why I love him. But, like, because some pe- so many people see John Cena do it, and John Cena is such a megastar, yeah. they still say to John Cena, you can't see me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so um, I guess that's where it is. I'm, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. It, it just really does bother me that, like, that's something with that's that some- with trap music when it comes to that conversation. Like, I like I I know the difference because I know, but some people don't. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in the fold of trap music, it received some really great reviews when it came out. Um, Complex even named it one of the one of the best albums of the one of the most one of the classic albums of the last decade from when it came out. Um, the album debuted at number four and sold 110,000 copies. Now, when you put that in the fold, 110,000 copies today would be a number one album. Yes. Um, Sales-wise, that's just incredible. And it showed, like, his content and the value of it was only going up. Because um, Tip was, like, making his way into those conversations, whether people liked it or not. Um mm-hmm. This album had four lead singles, mm-hmm. four successful singles, I should say. It started off with 24s, and you had Be Easy, and then Rubber Band Man, and Let's Get Away with Jazzy Faye. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into what your highlights are on this album. All right. So I also wanted to, to highlight something. Get Richard Dottron came out February of 2003. Mm-hmm. Trap Music came out August 2003. Mm-hmm. And like that was like the, the the shift change of like everything happening like because like Fifty Cent like that was like the last like stand of like New York and obviously like his run lasted until like two thousand seven yeah fifty right but like once trap music came out the south like the south took over mm-hmm. like that was it like the south like and trap music if you think about it like even from like a sound standpoint like the sounds that came out of trap music. It's kind of like what like ushered in what what, what we was about to get because like remember like then we got Bone Crusher we got more Little John like there mm-hmm. was so many things that was like coming Gangsta Girls mixtapes yeah was because Ti and DJ Drama were heavily involved like DJ Drama signed the Grand Hustle mm-hmm. like there's a lot that came like that people don't think about that came from trap music yeah that like kind of like pushed a lot of things forward right so I just wanted to say that but you know and acknowledge that but uh. Some of the highlights from this album, right? I'll give it to you right now. I have I wrote them down, guys. Oh, uh, let's see. Did I? Or maybe I didn't. Yeah, I was just kept, uh... Mm-mm. Oh, yes, I did. I just kept writing. <laughs> um, Doing My Job, 24 is Rubber Band Man. Mm. Look What I Got. Mm. I Still Love You. 
Um, let me tell you something. Ti versus Tip, Bezel, and Be Better Than Me are my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my, and I, I'll even like mention my dislikes. Um, okay. Let's get away. But I just, I'm not a Jazzy Faye fan. What? I so like, it's less, like it's less, less it's less about Ti and more about Jazzy Faye mm-hmm. and the sample. Um, originally the sample was supposed to be uh, Daydreaming by Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's that and No More Talk. Okay. I thought No More Talk was that. Well, I actually like both of those songs. There's very little on this album that I don't like. Yeah, just those two. Very little and, on this and, album I don't like. And truthfully, like, it's really No More Talk, because let's get away. I just don't like Jazzy. Okay. okay. Fizzle, fizzle. Fizzle, fizzle. Yeah. I think, he had, I think he had a very big moment when he was out. Um, yeah, so I'll say, I'll say for me, um, obviously 24s. Uh, I distinctly remember when I heard 24s for the first time. I was on... I was... I was probably in my, I was in the lunchroom at school. I think I was in 10th grade when this came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I was in 10th grade. That was 2003. Okay. Yeah. I was in 10th grade when I came out. And I remember hearing it like, yo, this is about to be, and it was different um, in Detroit because everybody had the biggest cars, like the flashiest whips, mm-hmm. the the bass in everybody's car was always immaculate. So like I would hear this on a different level and I just fell in love with it. Um, doing my job was big for me too, because it's just like, it's such a great story, like of him just not, him trying to do his own thing, like while not being in anybody's way and just trying to stick to a solid plan and be official. Mm-hmm. His flow is amazing. It's a Kanye West beat. Yeah. Um, very early Kanye beat. Um, uh, what else did I love on here? I love Rubber Band Man. Rubber Band Man is when I knew he would like actually really be around mm-hmm. because of the quality of the video. You had, you had Diddy in it. You had Lil Duvall. You had um, just like the quality. Like he, his... Uh, his mate coat, they were standing outside of a phantom. It was like the flex was just crazy. Nah, you could tell like the butt like they you could tell that when like the success of twenty fours, right? Put because he put a, like he you could tell that he he probably this is just me understanding the industry. He probably got the the budget to do two videos. So he probably he did twenty fours, right? And that was successful. And then he did um uh be easy. Twenty mm-hmm. fours did so good. They was like, yo, you can do two more. And then yeah. and then they were just like, all right, fuck it, do rubber band, yeah. man. That's gonna take it off right now. Yeah. Cause like when I tell you that be easy, like it was it was like a blip. Like be easy got like maybe two weeks run. Yeah, and be easy is a classic TI song. Son. Yeah. Um I was just like, yo, like, wow. Like, all right, like yeah. damn. And um and Bezel. Bezel was another one that I love on here with yeah. Ball and MJG and, and Bum B. Mm-hmm. Tip has this thing that he does when when he works with OGs that like you can really hear and feel the appreciation that he has for them, like like front back that he did with UGK. Yeah, like he has those songs that are like knockers that he does with people that are before him. I, got, he has a, a I got a good Pepsi story too. Oh yeah, I, I gotta hear it. So he he has a way of just of uh of just showing love that a lot of artists just don't have. What, what would you want to say? So when all right, so when he was saying that he was the king of the south, like there's people that he he said he made sure he spoke to like everybody he could speak to. Mm-hmm. Only person that he couldn't get in contact with was Pip C. Mm-hmm. So like he spoke with Bun and like Bun was like, well, what the fuck are you like? What the fuck am I? And he was like, listen, like nobody's ever like called himself King of the South. He said there's a song where Miss Cool had a, excuse me, called himself the Prince of the South. 
And T.I. like got challenged by his boy, like, you won't call yourself king. He was like, why the fuck I won't? Anybody else calling himself king himself? Yeah, everybody was calling himself the prince, even yeah. fucking Lil Scrappy. Like the prince of crop, right. Yeah. So he said, like, I'm going to do it. And he said, and, and the funny thing is, is Bun B, like, who's actually a very diplomatic, felt the way. Mm-hmm. And, like, T.I. spoke to him about it. was like, there's no disrespect. Like, I'm, I'm up next, like, and I'm about to do this. And T.I. said that he also had a conversation with Killer Mike. And they was, like, the two about to come up next. So Killer Mike got, got his deal with uh with uh with Big Boy and he was over there with Dungeon Family. So like everybody assumed that Killer Mike was gonna be the one that was gonna take off. Mm-hmm. But it was T.I. Like they was like friends, they was like rivals in high school, all that shit. So they was cool. And like on the song, like basically T.I. says is like it like basically he said that only like four other people could like fuck with him mm-hmm. lyrically like right now. But, like, it was, like, him, like, basically, like, fucking around. So, like, people couldn't guess who it was. But, like, he really only felt like it was him and Killer Mike. Now, he wanted to go out his way to talk to Pimp C. Pimp C was at Stanko Year Studios. And it was like, yo, we need you to get on this song. Like, because we trying to make sure, like, you know, all the, the pillars of the South. And Pimp C said, I ain't got time for that, little boy. <laughs> and kept it moving. And, like... T.I., like, he was like, how could I feel the way, like, look how long it took to jail. Like, everybody already knew the story of Big Pimpin'. Mm-hmm. So nobody took it personally. And then, like, he went to jail anyway. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like, you know, him and, him and Pimp C, like, he proved himself to Pimp. He came out and shit. But, like, it was, just, it was like, basically, he T.I. said it was like a rite of passage. Like, if, if Pimp C don't disrespect you, yeah. then, like, and I, I was like, I don't know if I can take handle some shit like that, like being blown up by somebody else, my idol, yeah, yeah. and basically saying I'm a nobody. That's just like what Pimp C said. He had a problem with Jeezy saying that he was getting burned since 17 5. They said till the day he died, like Pimp C kept saying, I gotta get next to Jeezy and talk to him about this bird. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nigga, why are you so worried about it? <laughs> I think that's what that's what people liked about Pimp C though. Cause like he was he was very he was he seemed like a super solid person yeah it seemed like everything that he said or people that was around him saying shit he wanted them to be authentic with it so he would actually check people yeah i just think that's bad funny like somebody being like yo i got a blue car and a red car pimp see like that nigga is lying orange fuck is he fuck is he talking about yeah um but no there's getting back even into the fold of this like it's just a lot of moments on here that I fuck with like even the songs that I don't really like that much like um what was another one um oh look what I got look what I got like the song is a little eh but the chorus the chorus is amazing and I think T.I. is really good at that like where if there's a song that I'm not really like that keen on the chorus is tied together for me I can't believe it like I love look what I got um, my one thing that I have a problem with, I think I can't quit should be the last song on the album. You think I can't quit should be? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can't quit should have been the last. Yeah. Song. The placement is wrong, and it should have just been the last song on the album. Okay. Um, I really, really like so, and the reason why I say that is because, like the you got the last song, "Long Live the Game." Mm-hmm. I didn't like it to be the ending mm-hmm. of the album. Um, I think I Can't Quit should have came after Be Better Than Me, which I thought was really dope. You know, like, it was basically like an open letter to his sons. Yeah. And, and yeah, you said to his what? To his sons. Yeah. And, and also was, to the success or unsuccess of I'm Serious. He talked about that on I Can't Quit. Yeah. And um, and kind of overcoming that to being where he was gonna where he was heading. Mm-hmm. Um, T.I. versus T.I.P. is kind of prophecy in a sense of, like, hip-hop's 
incoming obsession with uh, with alter egos. Yeah. Uh, he was like, <laughs> he was like at partially the beginning of that resurgence. Like he like the resurgence at least for the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, because it became like a fucking obsession with everybody. Everybody's just saying, "Oh, this is me now," but like. I also have this other side of me. Like it was so <laughs> who, captivating for everybody. Who were some of your favorite rap alter egos? Um, <sighs> uh, fucking Ti's was good. I think Justin Bieber had one. You remember Justin Bieber's? No, I don't. And I did not think you was going to say his fucking name. <laughs> I just thought about it. It was uh, it was Shouty Main. He would rap. He would go. He would go on different radio stations and rap. And he had a remix to "Speak in Tongues" to Vado shit, and he went off. Son, I did and not think you. Never, was, I did not think that that was that was up. that was not the name. That that's what popped up in my head. And um, <laughs> but earlier time, you know, I'm glad Beyonce don't do the Sasha Fierce shit no more. She just left that alone. Who who do you got? Uh, rappers, I got yeah, a few, rappers. man. Slim I, Shady, like, okay, is well, one Slim of my Shady. favorites. Yeah, Slim Shady's great. Oh, um, uh, Wolf Haley for Tyler the Creator. Okay, um, Roman Zelansky. Oh, for, for, for Nicki Minaj. Nicki. Um, Shock G and Humpty Hump. Oh uh, yeah, taking it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gotta name that one. Future Hendrix. Yeah, that's a good one too. And um, Tina Snow. Okay, for Megan. but then those those are like that's an alter ego. Yeah, but they blur the lines of like they real content because it's like they no, they aren't like, like as different. No, like Megan says, like I'm about to get my Tina Snow bag. Like she mm-hmm. lets it be known. Yeah, when she's gonna do that, and then we got Jay with like you know Jigga and Jay Hova. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I always liked how the Wu- every Wu Tang member has one though. Yes, yeah, every Wu Tang member does have one, and it's distinct. Yeah, yeah. And then my last one is is AZ Sosa. Okay, I see that. I don't um, know. I don't know how much AZ you listen to. I don't listen to. I don't listen but to like nah. Much. But like, there's really there's really an AZ and there's really a Sosa. Like he's really on some some shady shit. I know. I'm, I mean, I know Nas says Esco and shit like that. But like, is there like a distinct difference between? Nas, I mean, yeah. Like Esco is like he's talking that flashy plot shit. Mm-hmm. Just like well, like when you got Biggie and you got Frank White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the Frank White one makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, like Frank White came in New York. Like, yeah. you know, Nas, like, he wanted to be, you know, Big Willie Esco. Like, that's like when Nas, like, Esco is, is, uh, oh, oh, me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that is, that's, that's, like, yeah. hate me now, like, shit like that. That's, that's, that's Esco. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah, man. Just, um, I, w- I was really excited to talk about these shit. Like, I, I didn't like, know. Last I- thing, Mac Miller has, like, eight. Yes, he does. Uh, Larry Fisherman. Delusional um, Thomas. Delusional Thomas. Easy Mac. Mm-hmm. Larry Loverstein. Cheesy Raps. And uh, who else? Oh, and then last one, MF Dune. And then his real name is uh, Daniel Dumale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I never knew MF Dune's real name. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not an OG fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a solid list of some. I went blank. I couldn't think of that many, to be honest, on the spot. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> but... Um, Let's see. What do we have here? As far as the production on here, right? So we named we named Kanye, we named Jazzy Faye, DJ Toon. Um DJ Toon need they they need built. to be celebrated more. Yeah, they really built and capitalized on their um 
on on their chemistry with with this album and the albums that were to follow. Like it, it only got better from here, honestly. And um, David Banner is another person that like really got heavy into his producer bag around this time. David David Banner and Kanye were the only other. I didn't like. All, all right, the Sanchez guy was cool, mm-hmm. but like, I really was cool if DJ Tunt would have did this whole album. Obviously, yeah. what David Banner and Kanye contributed contributed was great, but like I'm like, damn. Like I wanted more tone on this album. Yeah, I actually always want more tone on, on people's albums. Yeah, like man. his sound, his sound quality is just so grand. It's like it's a it's a big deal. For oh him. fuck! I almost forgot. So I didn't realize this, but Kanye went to Atlanta to do the two tracks with them, and right. apparently he played like this was like you know still his growing times, and he played Jesus Walks with him, and Ti Ti yeah, and like. Tom was like, yo, like, this might work. And, like, T.I. was one who told him, like, I don't think this is going to work for you playing. <laughs> and, like, it worked out. And, like, it also was, like, the beginning of, like, Tom's relationship with Kanye. Ah. And, like, them working together and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, I've heard, you heard, uh, you heard the story that Jeezy told, right? About, um, oh. about Tom and about uh, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Yeah. Tom was pissed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was hilarious. I think, well, basically... Jeezy said uh, that um, he had the opportunity of, I think it was working with Kanye. Yeah. And um, it didn't pan out for whatever reason. They had a song that was supposed to come out that didn't come out. Kanye asked him if he could still use it, but he ended up only taking the ad-libs from um, from I Got Money. Yeah. <laughs> and putting it on Can't Tell Me Nothing and made it sound completely different. Mm-hmm. And then Jeezy just heard it when it came out, when it was already like fire. It was like, Fuck. Like, I could have been on that. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, I, that would annoy me, too. Like, wait a second. You just chopped up my whole fucking song. Yeah. I could have gave you the stems. Like, that's what Toon Beat was. Toon was like, yo, all you had to do was ask me, and yeah. I could have gave you everything you needed. Like, you literally made this a new song, and it's not even a sound. It doesn't even sound as good as it could, because you don't have the fucking stems. Yeah. And that was the fucking genius of it to me. That <laughs> shit sounded... That's one of Kanye's best songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, in the fold of this... um. Obviously, we got a chance to see the artist that T.I. became. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of groundwork on this album. And I and I think that's why I fuck with it so much. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling a very high rating for myself on this. Um, well, I'll, there's one last track that I wanted to talk about that like really kind of like sold things for me. Mm-hmm. And it was I Still Love You. Yes. Because there's three verses on here. And like the first, so the first. Produced by Nick Fury. Right. So the first one is to his, his first two sons' mother. And it's like him like acknowledging like, yo, I, I wasn't ready to be then, you know, who who you think I am and everything like that. And then I believe the second verse was to his father. Yeah, it was to his father. Mm-hmm. And it was like him like saying how he resented him, but then like accepting like, yo, being a being a parent shit is hard. Like yeah. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one, the last verse, like I didn't realize it, but it was to his daughter because basically like when he had her, like, he was in denial. Like, yo, it's my third fucking kid. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? And so, like, he wasn't as, like, you know, nurturing to her as he should have been when she first came into the world. And to me, like, that's, like, his song cry. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because, like, it was just, like, him acknowledging, like, his faults and his wrongs. And, like, that was something that I thought was, like, really, like, honest and, like, cool for, like, an artist to do. Yeah. But, um, yes, uh, to the rating, if you ready, I'm ready to go. Um, Four and a half waffles out of five for me. For this project. Okay. We have the exact same rating. 
we have the exact same thing. This album, this album was refreshing to to revisit, man. I haven't heard it in years. It still holds up. None of the production, with the exception of the Jazzy Faye one, is a little dated. I still, I just like that song because it, it's kind of just attached to good memories for me. But um, this album is all like almost completely flawless, and it's sixteen Yo, songs. The sixteen songs, the album is almost flawless, and it was recorded in the back of a hair salon. Think about that. Like it was, it was, it, it, yo. If you think about like when I was like doing my research, learning the story of this album, mm-hmm. it, it's given hustle and flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is giving hustle and flow. Holy shit! Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm, down to the beef of Ludacris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, and I think I think in this time frame, it really just speaks to the kind of artist that Tip became, man, because he he put that shit all on the line, and the success of this. Was even sweeter because of that. Um, I agree. Four and a half. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. Um, I think you guys should definitely check this album out. Regardless of how you feel about Tip now as a rapper or as a social media person, whatever he's turned into, him having locks now, like him being a comedian, all of that shit. But just put all of that to the side. Revisit this. Give it an honest listen. Let us know what you think. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like, obviously. Um, I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori and B. And we're out of here, guys. All right, catch you next time, guys. <laughs> dun, dun.